Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, what's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? And what's up to you listening tonight, wherever you are out there at WWL.com or the Radio.com app? Welcome on into the show. Incredibly packed day sports-wise here in the city. Joe Oliva out Apparently, Scott Woodward in at LSU. We'll get to that. We've got David Griffin being introduced as the new Pelicans president of basketball operations out at Pelicans camp. I was out there. We'll have my thoughts, and we'll hear from Joel Myers on that a little bit later. Plus, the NFL schedule release was today. The Saints, another brutal opening to their season slate. The first four games, four playoff teams Larry Holder comes on in in the 9 o'clock hour to break that down for us. 20 years ago today was the crazy Ricky Williams trade. And the Saints and Mike Ditka sent away eight picks for Ricky Williams, one of the worst, most disastrous trades in NFL history. And a guy who was on the air the moment it happened right here at WWL, Mike Detillier. He was on with Buddy D 20 years ago when that happened. Mike and I were messaging yesterday about it and, I asked Mike if he'd like to come on and share those stories and that story with us, and, and he will at 9.45 tonight, so stay around for that. Carter Bryant is also on the show, plus Mike Scarborough later this hour at 8.32, tigerbait.com, to break down the Oliva and Woodward news. Welcome on into the show. Yeah, packed one. It's our final show of the week, pending weather for LSU baseball. Logan Falgu's behind the glass tonight. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. What do you think of the Saints' 2019 schedule? Great. It's okay or terrible. You can cast your vote at WWL.com and the Radio.com app. Of course, we have the text lines open for you all show long at 870-870. And you can find us on Twitter at WWLAMFM, and I'm at Seth Dunlap. But the news earlier today that the Joe Oliva was essentially being forced out at LSU after his handling of the Will Wade situation, not sure it surprised me. In fact... When I was on on Monday, I asked multiple people here on the air what they thought Oliva's status was and just how hot his seat was. And indeed, apparently it was on fire because he's stepping aside. He's moving back, not being fired per se, but let's be honest here, he's being forced out in large part because of the disdain that LSU fans and boosters have for his handling of the Will Wade situation. And I'll be honest, I did not expect to find myself in this spot Defending Oliva? Wasn't that long ago that I was here on the show questioning his job security. I was here when he bungled that Les Miles exit the year before it actually happened. Oliva swung and missed on two basketball hires before he hired Wade, Trent Johnson, and, and Johnny Jones. Of course, misjudged the Jimbo Fisher and Tom Herman situations. Hasn't been a banner tenure for Oliva. However, he survived that that period 
And now his two latest tires at the Revenue Sports, Ed Orgeron and Will Wade, have turned their programs into conference and national contenders. And a leave had been issued a reprieve, maybe not an exoneration, but at least a reprieve from fans and boosters. And then the last two months, it all fell apart. Wade was caught on these wiretaps, and then he refused to meet with the administration and his bosses, and that led to his suspension. And I'll say it again. In refusing to meet with F. King Alexander and Joe Oliva and the NCAA investigators the first time when he thumbed his nose at his bosses, that insubordination, it had to have warranted at least a suspension. There was nothing else Oliva could do there. So there was no termination eventually. But that suspension, we know it. It was attacked from all sides of the fan base. Talked about how bizarre it's been for me personally to watch that reaction from fans out there who had to have known that the suspension was warranted. Regardless of what you think of Oliva's overall tenure, you had to know that that suspension was warranted. I And some people still refuse to this day to admit that. I mean, what was he supposed to do, folks? Allow an insubordinate coach to face no repercussions for refusing to meet with his bosses? Even if those fans who somehow believe Wade is just some fall guy or part of a conspiracy here, the the brunt end of it, in my mind, you have to at least acknowledge Wade's suspension was warranted for defiance of his bosses, right? Well, apparently not, because now far too many win-at-all-cost fans and Wade apologists in the media refuse to even acknowledge what was staring them right in the face. Even when Wade got, what was it, Sunday when he got reinstated? It was Oliva, not Wade in the crosshairs. Now, we're eventually going to find out exactly what happened behind the scenes here. We don't know. We're getting reports and sources telling people here at WWL and otherwise that powerful boosters behind the scenes helped force Oliva out. Oliva probably wanted out after this nonsense, and it's hard to believe him here. Uh, hard to blame him, I should say, here. I told you this story. It's on the air on Monday, but last week I heard multiple people, those who are very well known to the LSU fan base, make public statements on how they didn't care about Will Wade's insubordination or his recruiting tactics. And to me, anyways, the worst part was they, they advocated for Wade's cheating and this win-at-all-cost strategy. That's not me being hyperbolic on the air, folks. That's a near-direct quote. Guys saying, well, I don't care that my coach cheats. In fact, I want him to cheat. It should be a win-at-all-cost mentality there. Man, what a sad, sad commentary on our society's level of ethical blindness when it comes to the teams and players and coaches that we root for. And it brings me to why this whole saga disturbs the livid heck out of me again. We sat here in Louisiana and New Orleans and Baton Rouge, wherever you're listening, we watched from afar, and have a gas and perplexed when other fan bases and local medias rallied behind coaches who broke the rules 
or recruited illegally or helped commit academic fraud, supported pay-for-play schemes, Ponzi schemes, organized sex parties, covered up domestic violence, molestation, and rape. Now, some of those cases certainly must worse, and not even in the same ballpark as what Wade is accused of doing here. I get it. But what is similar is the response from way too many fans of LSU who have shown either apathy or outright dismissal of any wrongdoing because the program's winning. Maybe I was naive. Not maybe I was. I wanted to believe that here we would have a more rational dialogue that would follow anything that would inevitably happen at LSU, and it did. What I thought, what I believed, what I hoped was that LSU alumni, these powerful donors and boosters, members of the Board of Regents, would realize the harm that this scandal would do to the program and university. I thought the reaction here would be different. I was wrong. I was very wrong. So, Aliva's out, and the reports are he was forced out from deep-pocketed donors who wanted Woodward or somebody else here, and it will be Woodward, looks like. And there was a strong case not long ago that the entirety of Oliva's record at LSU warranted his removal. I was on the show here talking about it. And heck, it probably still does. The question that must be asked is why now? We're fooling ourselves if we say it's anything but his handling the Will Wade situation. Can we just dispense with the nonsense and stupidity of trying to act like it was anything but the Will Wade situation and saga that brought this around? I've heard so many people to say today, well, no, it wasn't about Bull, it wasn't about Will Wade. Had nothing to do with that. It was about not landing Jimbo or Tom Herman or his hiring of previous basketball coaches. What a load of malarkey. And that comes from the same people who for the last month and a half have called, tweeted in all caps, written, shouted, boycotted, protested that Aliva and F. King Alexander were doing the wrong thing by suspending Will Wade and wanted Aliva to get fired for that. And those same people today are trying to act like it wasn't because of that? That Aliva was forced out? Give me a freaking break. And I get that there were very influential boosters who were pro-Will Wade in this. That's boosters. What's unthinkable to me is that the university and athletic department decided to export their morality to those people. Maybe they exported their morality to the free Will Wade mob. In any case, it's a terrible look. For an institution that for so long has seemed above this stuff. Now they're stuck in the middle of it. Now a lot of you out there listening disagree with me completely and passionately about this. And you're probably red in the face and shaking your fist at the radio right now. So let's take a deep breath and then I want you to think about this. How many current and future LSU students have watched this play out? Boys and girls, 
future sports stars, doctors, lawyers, stockbrokers, teachers, business leaders, coaches. What message are they being sent? Well, it's a clear message that they're being given by the adults making decisions at LSU that cheating is okay. It's acceptable to break the rules to better yourself and those around you. And worst of all, it's being reinforced yet again that winning is the only thing that matters. Moral compass, sense of right and wrong, be damned. A few more wins, a little more money along that path of, of, to more wins. Doesn't care what ethical boundaries you destroy. You just shouldn't care. What a terrible lesson for our youth. What a terrible lesson for us all. I believe it's past time for the NCAA to revise their rules and policies on student-athlete compensation. I've done shows on it. I believe the first thing that should be done is the NCAA to allow these student-athletes to use their own likeness for profit. But just because I advocate for that, that doesn't excuse blatant rule-breaking that so many coaches across the country are accused of. The rules are there so that programs are competing on a level playing field. If you don't like those rules, like I don't, advocate for change. Don't advocate for cheating. And then what about Wade's refusal to meet with his bosses? If none of the other stuff happened, if there were no wiretaps, no leaks, no sniff of illicit recruiting activities by Will Wade... He still refused to meet with his bosses. Is the message that the Free Will Wade crowd wanted to send is that, well, successful coaches, those who win a lot, they don't have to answer to anybody. Too many people believe that. Too many people believe if you win, you get a blank check to act or do anything you want without repercussions. You know, eventually a scandal is going to emerge elsewhere. Alabama, Florida, Texas A&M, Ohio State, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, wherever it is. Or, or maybe it's a much less beloved LSU coach who's going to decide, well, you know what, I don't want to meet with my bosses either. Will Wade did it and he's back. I don't want to meet with Scott Woodward or F. King Alexander. Why should I have to? Will Wade didn't. How many of the same LSU fans and boosters and alumni and maybe even members of the Board of Regents are going to come calling with pleas of justice then? Well, if you sacrifice your moral compass here, don't come begging to me to reclaim it. You planted your flag very squarely on the wrong side of history here. Back in a second. I got a text from the 504 that says, let other people comment. I'm letting you. Phone lines are open. Text lines are open. You are welcome to comment. Text from the same person who's texted me at least five times here. Uh, so self-righteous. No, I am very passionate about this because I believe it is more important than any win or any loss. It just is. What we teach our youth, 
the next LSU Tigers, the next LSU coach and players, doctors and lawyers and stockbrokers. Message is loud and clear. And the one thing, and we won't, you know, three, four days, five days from now, probably won't be talking about this. We'll probably have moved on until Will Wade testifies if he does. And and guarantee you that whenever a scandal breaks at Alabama or Texas or Ohio State or Ole Miss, whatever disliked program, we're going to have people coming out of the woodworks to plea for justice. Oh, he's a rule breaker. Oh, look at the lack of morals and ethics. going back and forth with somebody on Twitter yesterday. I can't remember who it was. Somebody is saying, I don't understand why you're so upset about this. I, I don't understand why you're taking this stance. Well, it's easy for me to take this stance when I'm true to my own principles, regardless of the teams that I root for or cover or like. That shouldn't matter. Wrong is wrong. Right is right. Text from the 812, what's to keep the new AD from firing Wade? Well, technically nothing, but the boosters and board of regents are there, and that is what's going to keep Scott Woodward, who is reportedly going to be the next athletic director and replace Joe Oliva. That according to The Advocate. Sources told them that Woodward will be the next athletic director at LSU. Of course, uh, very familiar to everybody in Baton Rouge. He's currently the Texas A&M athletic director that wooed Jimbo Fisher there. And Woodward graduated from LSU, a Baton Rouge native. Makes sense. People for a while, I think, if Scott Wood- thought Scott Woodward was eventually going to be on his way to Baton Rouge and LSU. Didn't take long today. Only a relative few hours after the Joe Oliva news did we hear Scott Woodward was on his way. Oh, here you you served me up a softball nine eight five on the text line. You know you're hundred percent right, but you're a hypocrite because your take was the opposite on the Saints Bounty Gate scandal. That, and I'm gonna give you a break here. I won't use the L word lie, but you are misinformed. You're misinformed if you think that I was sitting here on the air defending inanely. Greg Williams and everything happened then. Here's a text from the 504. Uh, he has not actually been accused of anything yet. Implicated, yes. Um, yeah, and, and that my point is here, and, and like I said towards the end of my opening monologue, take away all the recruiting stuff. Take, take away everything that happened. I mean, everything, all the wiretaps and transcripts and trials, and take that all away. Say none of that happened. He still refused to meet with his bosses. He still gave him that proverbial middle finger. Talk about opening up a Pandora's box. Remember the situation we had last year with Coach O and Matt Canada, and those guys didn't want to meet with each other? And then Joe Oliva had to step in and and bring those guys together and call them into his office and have that parlay? Well, imagine that that happened after... (laughs) Will Wade 
was really, uh, or you thought that Will Wade shouldn't have been reprimanded for not meeting with his bosses. Are you saying that, well, Matt Canada didn't want to meet with Coach O, uh, that's no biggie, or Coach O didn't want to meet with Oliva, that's no biggie. I mean, come on. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Mike Scarborough is going to join us. We'll talk about Scott Woodward, who's on his way to LSU. Text from the 985, you love you some Joe. Boy, I would have never had a comment like that just two months ago. I'm the one who a year and a half ago was sitting here doing shows about how Will Wade, uh, Will Wade, uh, Joe Oliva needed to be removed, needed to be fired because of his track record, his long one of bad decisions at LSU. I've done so many shows on that. Now he's gone. It's not that Joe Oliva shouldn't be gone. It's the timing of this. And, and let's let's not play coy here. We know why he's gone. He was reportedly forced out by some very powerful boosters who didn't like how he handled the Will Wade situation. It's not that hard. Let's bring on in Mike Scarborough to talk about it. Publisher and editor at TigerBaits.com. Mike, what's going on? What, what a busy day. And, and the news of Oliva this morning and the news of, of Woodward tonight, it's a whirlwind. Yeah, it's 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 been a crazy uh, week. We kind of thought that it might be a little bit slower news-wise, but uh, no, this is, you know, it, it's kind of been a, the worst-kept secret for several weeks. The only difference is we thought that, yeah, Oliva would be out, and we were waiting, well, is today the day or is tomorrow the day? And that went on for about 10 days. Um, but, you know, for the last two weeks, we all thought that there was a good chance that Verge Osbury would be the interim and that uh, he had a good chance of being the permanent athletic director to replace Joe Oliva. And then Scott Woodward came out, and uh, I think when we finally get our press conference and he's introduced as the head coach, uh, I think what I'm going to find very interesting is who the go-betweens were, who was it that he was dealing with, uh, how did it come about, when did it start, the discussions. Um, Because I have a feeling just based on the, the players involved, the actors and how it how it had to have happened, I have a strong suspicion that it's probably the T- Tiger Athletic Foundation and higher-ups there because uh, the reason why Joe Oliva is out, like you said, is, 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 is dollars. It's um, You've got too many people um, that, that cut big checks that uh, basically said, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not writing any more checks until there's a change. And I think that that, you know, look, just months ago, you're looking at a football coach that's won 10 games, a top-ranked recruiting class, one of the top three or four in the country, uh, a basketball team on their way to winning an SEC championship, baseball team preseason ranked number one in the country, and Joe Oliva's thinking he's going to waltz through the Board of Supervisors and get an extension and a pay raise, and and now uh, look what's happened. It, it, it's astonishing. Yeah, and I'm like I said in my opening, Mike, I I believe Oliva should have been gone a few years ago, and, and I've done shows on it here. Now we know, and, and I'm hearing what you're hearing, that this was about unhappiness with, with boosters and members of TAF. But I don't understand exactly what they wanted Oliva to do in the Will Wade situation when he wouldn't meet with his bosses. Uh, are you on, no, on the and, same page and, and, with and me I, there, Mike? And, and I will say in, in, in Oliva's defense, that I, I, you know, look, he got tarnished with that. I don't. He didn't want to make that move. That was forced on him. I, he didn't want to indefinitely suspend Will Wade. Um, 
You know, and if you want to go back, you know, I, I was on a show in Jacksonville yesterday. And, and, you know, of course, those people over there remember the, the hurricane situation and the postponement of the football game, and they can't stand to leave it there. Um, you know, but you, you can go back to the Jimbo Fisher thing in 2016, uh, 15, uh, and, and the decision to keep uh, less miles. Um, well, you know, Lever didn't want to do that. He had Jimbo Fisher lined up. He had the rug pulled out from him, from him there. So I think part of his issue has been lack of charisma, not very good with the media. He wasn't a fundraiser. Um, and, you know, there's just been one thing after another. You know, uh, you can talk about coaches getting contracts that they shouldn't get. Um, and, and people have had it. it just, you know, it got to the point where the enough was enough. Uh, who is doing the rug pulling, Mike? Because I, again, have heard the same exact things through this, that Oliva wanted to make those moves, and he wasn't allowed to. Is that F. King? Is that the Regents? Is that Taff? Who is that? Yeah, it's F. King. That's F. King. And, I, and, I, and look, it, it's I, I, I kind of feel like F. King, and I'm not defending Joe Oliva by any stretch, but I, I do think a lot of the, the stuff that's, you know, I don't know what his approval rating would be amongst LSU fans, uh, Olivas. Uh, you know, I, 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 if it's above single digits, digits I'd be amazed. Um, but I, I think some of it is almost where F. F. King, F. King probably owes him an apology because, you know, uh, Olivas fell on the sword multiple times for decisions that F. King made. And that was the decision to – uh, keep uh, less miles after that A&M win, and you know that decision was only good for four more games the following season, and the move was made. Yeah, man, I'm not going to shed any tears for um, uh, Joe Oliva and his six hundred thousand dollar a year salary. Uh, he made his own pettier. It was pastime in my mind for yeah. LSU to move on. Talking to Mike Scarborough, publisher and editor at TigerBaits.com at Scarborough Mike on Twitter. Okay, let's talk Scott Woodward, and, and he's been linked to LSU for. Boy, it seems like a decade now, Mike, and he's an LSU grad. He's from Baton Rouge, and now he's on his way here. Very likable. Um, you know, if you would have said, uh, you know, and, and I've I put it on my site for years, uh, discussing future athletics directors, you know, I always thought Herb Vincent would be the guy, um, a guy that probably felt he needed to leave Baton Rouge in order to come back, number two guy at the SEC office. Um, but Woodward was always – but you, you just – who would have thought that Woodward would have become available? Uh, talking to guys in College Station this morning, you know, his relationship with the chancellor uh, it was not so uh, hot. While it was great with the president, um, it wasn't a money deal at all. But like you said, uh, Catholic High School graduate, Baton Rouge native, graduate of LSU, was at LSU under Mark Emmert, followed Mark Emmert to Washington, was the AD there. Um, so you, you have to like the fact that he's, you know, had success at Washington and Texas A&M, a Baton Rouge native. So he's got the combination of a lot of things. He's he's homegrown, but he's also an outsider that's going to has seen uh, been a part of two successful programs outside of LSU. Um, got to like that connection to Mark Emmert, which is started uh, what you could say was the golden era of LSU athletics earlier this century. So um, they're absolutely sick in College Station. Um, I got a relationship with all the guys at texags.com and, uh, you know, looking at their fans on their message board. It, it's uh, 
Uh, at three o'clock this afternoon, the thread was 22 pages long, long of, of the meltdown of, of the Aggie fans. They they know how special <laughs> he was. So uh, to get uh, him here at LSU is, is a big coup and uh, uh, major kudos to uh, whoever it was in the TAF. And, I, and I'm sure those names and how it came about will, will be revealed uh, once we finally get an official release and, and an introductory press conference and, and those interviews start to happen. What do you think the re- dynamic is going to be like between Woodward and Coach O, who somehow doesn't have uh, the, the support of, of a very large part of the LSU fan base still, and, of course, Will Wade, who's surrounded still by this ongoing saga with the FBI investigation? Well, you know, you know, I, I kind of joked in it half-heartedly today that you know, I was like, well, what, what, what's the chance that Woodward uh, reached out to his his, his old boss and, and longtime friend Mark Emmert, who's now the head of the NCAA, and said, uh, you know, what, what, what's the extent of this issue with uh, the, the, this guy that I'm fixing to be his boss, Will Wade? Um, you, you, I, I, I kind of put together a piece on the site uh, a few hours ago. You know what are some of these coaches uh, thinking about who their new boss is going to be, or, or 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 how he looks at them? And you know certainly Ed Orgeron's on no hot seat. He won ten games, won a a, a big uh, New Year's Day bowl uh, win in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, but at the same time, there's also a, a lot of pressure on him this upcoming season. He's not going to be on any hot seat list and 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 throughout the summer and in anybody's college football previews. But he's also in a position where he can't be going in December talking about how he's he's excited at the opportunity to get a tenth win in a bowl game. No, he has to have ten wins, possibly eleven wins in November. That's how high the expectations are going to be for this upcoming football season with what he's got returning and a very favorable football schedule with A and M, Auburn, and Florida at home. Of course, Alabama on the road. Um, you know, pivotal game at Texas week two. Um, but yeah, 10 and two or 11 and one is not unrealistic expectations for this LSU football season. And um, so, well, you know, and there's always the old, the old saying that every athletic director is, is judged by his head football coach hire. Um, so it's, I don't, I don't think that Ed Orgeron needs to try and measure up for, for, for Woodward, but there are high expectations this upcoming football season, and that's how he'll be judged. We'll see what happens with Will Wade and uh, what might come down the pike with the, the issues with him. Paul Maneri, uh biggest one everybody points to also is Nikki Fargus uh, sure. in, in women's basketball. So um, a lot of people want the compliance office to be restructured and, and some new faces there. Um, you, you just wonder if six months a year from now, if you look at the roster of LSU athletic department personnel, how different might it look a year or so from now? Finally, Mike, talking to Mike Scarborough of TigerBait.com, you're one of the most connected people out there with LSU recruiting, and there's lots of discussion now that Will Wade's been reinstated about at 2019 class that right now is ranked 90th nationally and second to last in the SEC. What do we know about a couple? I think there's one five-star guy, a four-star guy out of Florida that's still on LSU's radar. Do we know anything else about those possible recruits? In the yeah, I, I think LSU can still finish with a very strong recruiting class. I think Trendon Wofford, uh, the the big time, you know, high four star, possibly five star 
uh, forward from Birmingham, Alabama, Mountain Brook. I still think LSU is the team to beat for him. He's an absolute stud. Lester Keown is from IMG Academy, uh, you know, uh, swing guard. And then Kadeem Sai, power forward, I, I talked to him a few days ago, and he's working on scheduling his official visit to LSU. So those are the three kids that were – the guys to pay attention to in recruiting before Will Wade was indefinitely suspended, and that's still the case. I think they can land two of those three, um, uh, Wofford and Keonis, uh, but I, but I, I, and, and then when you get Skylar Mays, uh, Smart, and Emmett Williams to come back, which I think that that's highly probable, um, <laughs> you're right back to where you, th- you thought LSU would be. Uh, before LSU uh, indefinitely suspended Will Wade. So I think this class can be uh, can finish very strong with what he's got on the board. Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com. He's covering the heck out of the Scott Woodward uh, potential and incoming hire and, of course, the Joe Oliva situation and everything recruiting. Mike, always appreciate the chats, man. We'll talk again soon. Thanks All so right, much. Jeff. Talk soon. Thanks. All right, you bet. At Scarborough, Mike on Twitter. And, again, I'm sure you bookmark TigerBait.com. Open lines the rest of the hour now. I know a lot of you want to sound off, especially if our text line is any indication. 504-260-1870. That's area code 504-260-1870. And our text line, 870-870. I'm Seth Dunlap. Logan's behind the glass tonight. It's the last lap on WWL. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. What do you think of the Saints 2019 schedule? You can cast your vote at WWL.com or the Radio.com app. We will be talking a lot of Saints schedule and breaking it down top to bottom. Larry Holder will come on in. Mike Tatillier will come in, but I'm really going to talk to him about 20 years ago, the Ricky Williams trade happened, and he was on the air with Buddy D, and he wants to share some stories with us. That's next hour here on The Last Lap. If you missed it, the Saints schedule online at www.com. And our resident pros, Bobby Bear, Deuce McAllister, Zach Streif, all their opinions on the 2019 schedule right now at WWL.com. First four games are brutal. Four playoff teams, weeks one through four, against Houston, at the Rams, at the Seahawks, home against the Cowboys. That's brutal. They've had some brutal openings the Saints had in the previous few seasons. This is probably at the top of that list. We'll break it down. My thoughts next hour here is a text from the 225 the whole thing is messed up how do these little powerhouses continue to recruit without rewarding players however it all needs to change a little tongue-in-cheek there from the 225 he was asking me earlier why don't you go after the blue bloods if they have recruiting violations and yeah I, i would up and down the list i don't i'm not condoning any of it and i'm not letting anybody off the hook I've said for a long time here this season, there's no direct connection with Coach K at Duke, but you've got to wonder when Zion Williamson's dad is on tape on these wiretaps asking Kansas for a job and money, and then he winds up at Duke, well, how did that happen? There's no direct link there. That's the difference. Big-time difference. Here is a text from... Uh, the 225, who decided to wiretap? Where'd they go to school? It can get so messed up and slanted. Um, well, they did. They weren't wiretapping coaches and they weren't wiretapping schools. They had a wiretap on Christian Dawkins, who was the runner, the bag man. 
Remember, and they just happened to hear Sean Miller at Arizona, Will Wade at LSU, and other coaches and assistant coaches on those wiretaps. Some people have been convicted already. There's another federal trial, and that's the one that Will Wade has been subpoenaed to testify at on April 22nd. There is a motion that will be ruled on Friday on whether or not Wade and Sean Miller will have to testify at that trial. And that's very big for Wade, very big, obviously, for LSU, too. We'll take a break. Back with more of your text and calls. Plus, David Griffin was introduced today out at Pelicans camp. Big introduction. Fans were there. Big gaggle of media. And I'll give you my thoughts on that next when we come back on the last lap. Welcome back to the show. So many things to cover today. I'm just tweeting at Alan Waddell, my co-host in the fall on the Prep Football Roundup. One of the biggest days in memory in sports in in our area. Joe Oliva resigns. Scott Woodward in. NFL schedule release. Jay Ladner even took a job at Southern Miss out at Southeastern. It's a big day. Massive, massive day. And well, the items we haven't even discussed yet because we spent the first hour talking about what's front and center with Joe Oliva. It's David Griffin was introduced out at Pelicans camp today, the new president of basketball operations. But get into this later in the show, in the 10 o'clock hour, and, and you know me, I'll open with Pelicans, talk Pelicans right off the bat. I've done it a lot here. It's kind of my wheelhouse. But 10 o'clock hour for those of you wanting that. But initial thoughts on, on David Griffin, and I was a pro-David Griffin guy before he got hired. I have been to so many introductory press conferences already in my career. I mean, I've lost track. David Griffin's introduction today was probably the most impressive of any I've ever seen. He was expansive. He was principled. He had a very clear vision for the franchise. And it was evident his willingness to answer and, and talk to everybody who was there. He answered every single question that he was asked. There was no dodging, no dismissiveness. He was thorough with those answers. And that was all topics that, frankly, a lot of general managers and, and new presidents of basketball operations wouldn't have touched with that proverbial 10-foot pole. Questions on, well, has he talked to Anthony Davis? No, he has not, he told me. I asked him if he thought Drew Holiday was a foundational type of player. He said yes. He was asked if he's talked or will talk to Clutch Sports and Rich Paul, and he went on a, a two-minute explanation of why he will and why he thinks that relationship will be good and why he thinks there's still a chance that Anthony Davis might stay here. Now, he might be using his leverage, and there might be some strategy there for any possible trades, a little leverage and strong arm later down the road that he can use. But it was impressive. I mean, you could see if you were out there and hear why he was at the top of all these lists across the league. Lakers, Memphis, others. David Griffin was the guy. He was the most sought-after front office talent in the NBA this offseason, and he chose the Pelicans just as much as the Pelicans chose him. Best quote of the day, undoubtedly, for David Griffin. He was asked if he believed, not that he believed, but what he thought when people said, well, you can't win in the NBA in a smaller market. He said, quote, that's bull bleep obviously can't use the word is that it's bs use the full word there 
And you're, he's right. It is. One hour down, two to go. Next hour, all about the Saints schedule. Larry Holder on the program and Mike Dettelier. Right now, though, head on over to the WWL Radio Facebook page. We do a Facebook Live talking about Joe Oliva stepping down, Will Wade winning that power struggle, and Scott Woodward coming on in. Facebook Live, WWL Radio Facebook page right now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.